Welcome to the Pod Junkie Podcast, episode number five. Welcome to the Pod Junkie Podcast, where I bring you self-development tips inspired by my own life experiences, guest expert interviews in all areas of business, and I also share tons of resources, mostly other podcasts, that have made me laugh, think, act, or dig deeper into myself. I am Lauren Jean, podcast stylist, author, and of course, a podcast junkie. I thrive on sharing and helping others to grow. So let's just jump right into the show. Hello, all. Welcome back to another show. Thanks for being here once again. I appreciate everything that you do. And just for being here is huge for me. So I thank you. I always love to be grateful for everything that I have in life. And a big thing is everyone who listens to this show. If you are allowing me to be in your ears each week, taking in the information and the resources that I provide to you, whether they be an interview or my own bullshit rambles, whatever you want to call it. I have such a great interview this week. I hope you enjoyed last week's with Jordana and learning about Facebook groups. I hope you downloaded her freebie and are getting tons of information from her guide and possibly be interested in her program. She's an awesome chick with so much to offer and is passionate about what she does. But that is with every guest. All of my guests are passionate about what they do. This week's guest, Maya Motsak. Oh my goodness. What this woman has been through, what she's pulled through, and what she is now shows me, shows us that Anyone can do this. I mean, I'll run through her story really quick, like in a flash. She's going to go through it. But from bulimia to gaining 30 pounds to being couch bound and having a fit over a powdered donut made her realize that there's so much more to life and she doesn't have to be stuck where she is. She can pull herself out of this. This is Maya's life in really a quick snapshot. There's so much more to it. We had a great talk. I'm going to let her get right into it to introduce herself and so that you can open your eyes because I really feel like a lot of us kind of go through this similar type of pattern. Obviously not the same thing. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be a work addiction. It could be a sex addiction. It could be any type of addiction. Body image is involved there, of course. That is an addiction in itself because it leads to eating disorders, leads to more and more and more shit that we don't have to deal with that we can get ourselves out of. So let's get right into the interview with Maya. I'm sure you're going to be blown away and I know you're going to get inspired to move your own butt if this is something that's been on your mind for a while. Hello, mamas. Welcome back to another show. I have Maya Matsek on the phone, and she has got quite a story. I'm going to let her get into it, 
but it's more about of a self self acceptance show and her story of how she got there, because this is a very huge topic, I believe, for a lot of women out there. They just don't know how to accept themselves and they look for outside sources to tell them that they're beautiful or they're just enough. And I think it's time that we really need to hone on, hone in on this and just be done with it. Learn to love yourself. It's not an easy task, but it is doable. So Maya, why don't you share with us what you do and your story, how you came to realize that this is such an important topic especially for women and, you know, young girls too, as they get older. Oh yeah. Well, and like you say, it's, you know, it's been a journey. It's been a ride. Um, so I call myself these days, a personal liberation coach. And the reason that I do that is because I believe that we can set ourselves free from all of the things that kind of haunt us. Um, and I, I really love the way you said, um, where you sort of described the way you interpreted my work as self-acceptance. It's always interesting to me to see how people read what it is that I do or how they interpret or are affected by things that I'm talking about. And really the short answer to like how I got into this and what I do is that um, I was on my own personal path of self-acceptance. I was you know, I spent a lot of years miserable. I, um, I became bulimic in my late teens through my mid twenties. And even when I stopped purging, I was really a binge eater. Like I would just live for the end of the day when I could take the edge off by just eating a lot. And I was such a sugar addict and I wound up in my late thirties. I gained like 30 pounds and I could not get through the day. Like I was literally at health issues at this point. I was on the couch depressed and exhausted. And the only thing that got me moving was the idea that I could go next door to Dunkin' Donuts because I happened to live next door to a Dunkin' Donuts, which was a bad idea in a lot of ways. Yes. But also, <laughs> like, they'd see me coming and start making my double espresso like they knew what I wanted. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and there was a beautiful sense of community there. So there was some sustenance beyond the sugar and the caffeine. But it also it was, it was, there was this day where I walked in and I was in Jersey City and it was like this Indian Dunkin' Donuts, you know, in an urban area. And they didn't have powdered donuts. And I, I almost threw a fit in my like neighborhood Dunkin' Donuts where these people knew me really well. Like they gave me a tour of the, the back end of the business. Like I was a, a loyal customer and they were amazing to me. When they didn't have this powdered donut, I almost threw a fit. I got a handle on myself. I stepped outside onto the sidewalk and I thought, where's the nearest powdered donut? Like I really had this moment. It was the middle of the afternoon. I wanted the sugar fix and it had to be a powdered donut. I actually walked eight blocks to the nearest place to get a powdered donut and then the eight blocks home. And having that experience really jolted me awake. Like you've got a problem. Like there's a situation here. It's not a treat. It's now like a medicine. And I had to take a step back. And I wound up hiring a holistic health coach at that point who turned into a life coach, which is actually how I wound up going back to school to get certified because of my own success that I had with it. And one of the things that I had to start to recognize was that that sugar addiction and that caffeine, like, again, I'm all for treats when they're pleasurable and like it's a celebration or you just enjoy it. But when you're drugging yourself like I was, I had to recognize that I was trying to cover up 
this feeling that I had of like you just described, like not being enough. There's something wrong with me. I am a failure. I just didn't feel settled being quiet and alone with myself without the distraction. And so, you know, recognizing that my body was hurting and that I was actually like living a life that was devoted to donuts in this really unhealthy way. And then getting clear on what it was that was driving me to behave that way was really how I started on that path to what I call um, like living a liberated life, like getting free from the things that hold us back, make us feel bad, small, and lead us to do self-destructive things. And, you know, some people might be like, well, a donut that's not really that self-destructive. It doesn't matter what it is. You can be a workaholic. You can be medicating with alcohol or bad relationships or donuts. It doesn't matter. That's just a symptom that something inside you, like you said, Lauren, a second ago, it's perfectly said. You just feel like you're not enough. And so you cover it up. And so that was my self-discovery process that led to me doing this work with other women because as I started to tell my story, because I, you know what, I'm not really a private person. (laughs) I've got to say, honestly, ask me anything or, you know, like some people in my family, they don't want to ask because they know that I'll just tell no holds barred. But because I was going out and I was starting to talk um, publicly about it, I started to see that other women were reacting to my stories in a way that was really like, oh my God, me too. Oh, me too. And so that's where I started to recognize that the work I was doing was like, it was a very real need. And I started to get more aware of it and like how I'd helped myself and how I could turn that into um, work that would support other women and getting freedom from all the stuff that holds them back. Yeah, yeah, it's and it it's such a powerful story and I have a very similar one too where I went through an eating disorder and it involved like binging mm-hmm. and yeah, when you really feel um I'm trying to think how to explain this. Like when you finally realize what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. it's like wow. You know, it's like not it's like a, a giant slap in the face in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then it's like you start seeking out others who are going through this similar kind of thing and ways to help yourself. And I actually discovered what I was going through through listening to podcasts. Huh. And I discovered what I was going through was was um, orthorexia. And from there, I started just searching out that term and looking for others and then one of my good friends also realized like she was doing the same thing. And I find a lot of us in this health profession go through eating disorders. And in the beginning, we don't always realize it because we're always trying to stay healthy. And this is sometimes one of the ways that we start off doing this because we think it's going to help us. And then it turns into all these other emotional issues that we've had that came up, you know, that I should say that are coming up are from the past a lot. So I find that a lot of these things come from the past and they sort of trickle out as you're starting to learn about yourself and, you know, discover self-development and wonder why you're really, why you're like this and, you know, what can you do to help yourself? It's just, it's such an amazing journey and I find that it opens so many other windows but I believe the support thing is is huge. Finding someone else who is going through what you're going through and 
really listening to them, like listening to others' stories and understanding that, yes, you're not the only one. And there is a way to help yourself get out of this and realize that you are good enough and you are beautiful and you can wear and do and say whatever you want. And it's, it's amazing how you feel when you're going through this. It really does feel amazing. And then you don't want to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, that's actually very, very true. What everything you said mirrors my own experience completely. I mean, I really felt like, and I think that this is sort of a pivotal moment for a lot of women. And I see it too, when I talk to potential clients or like when I meet people and they're like, oh, you do life coaching. And then they start to talk about the places in their life where they feel stuck. I notice that there's this, um, this almost like this choice, which I know I faced for years, which is why I didn't really get help until I was in my late thirties is because when you get that kind of a jolt, like you said, that slap in a face in in the face in, in a good way, it sometimes can knock you down and you can go into this default of like self loathing. See, there really is something wrong with me. I really am messed up. Look at me. I'm on the street, like, you know, crying because I don't have a powdered donut. And so that can lead back into the cycle of whatever that self-destructive behavior is, whether it's binge eating or whatever. But the idea that you could open that window to like, wait a second, why am I doing this? There has to be a better way. Is there somebody who maybe can guide me to like, is it possible that there's a different way? Cause I actually, I'll tell you when I first started working with my very first coach, um, It was mainly because I had health issues from all of the damage I'd done to myself over the years with food, um, among other things, you know, and emotionally too. And, um, and I want to say also, I just want to say this, my life looked good and I looked pretty good from the outside. Nobody would have known that I had a problem, you know? And so sometimes we look like for these big symptoms, it can just be how you, you know, when you're not at your best self or, you know, you, when you're feeling like you've got something off going on. So For me, I started to work with this health coach because I just wanted to feel better. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep feeling worse if I don't do something. I had no idea that I could heal from the binge eating. I didn't even know that was possible. And so I just sort of want to say to anybody who's listening now, whatever it is that you're dealing with, it might be completely unrelated to the topic that we're we're talking about right now with food, but whatever it is that feels like a stuck place, keep searching for answers. Their healing is possible, whatever it is. And, um, it's making that choice to go for the solutions instead of getting like more buried in the problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Once you realize that it, you don't want to ignore it. I feel like searching out for resources is your biggest way to help yourself really understand that, this is what you're going through and whatever that takes for you to realize that, whether it be talking to someone else or maybe writing about it or just, um, I don't know, talking out loud, making videos for yourself, whatever you need to do to actually see yourself going through this, you know, keeping a journal of when you're having any kind of, uh, binges or what, I mean, whatever it could be, just be aware of when you're doing it is, I think first thing, it's a mindset thing. 
Yeah, well, and starting to see what's really happening, right? Starting to see almost like one of um, the great tools that I used, and I love journal writing, first of all, but I, as, as one terrific tool, but one thing, just starting to get aware, like, oh, that part of me is taking over, like, whatever it is, the acting out, the angry part, the sad, the binge eating part, whatever it is, because that way we can be a little bit almost disconnected and not in a bad way, but instead of being like, I'm a loser, I suck, I can't believe I'm doing this again, whatever, I may as well just eat more or do, you know, spend more money, whatever the behavior is, but also like to be aware of it and like, oh, look at that. There I go again, being human. <laughs> yes. Know? Yes. This is this, like, this, exactly like you said, I'm human. <laughs> yeah. Permission to be human. I heard somebody said that to me once and I was like, oh my God, you know, and you said, you mentioned orthorexia. Um, I only heard of that when I first started studying holistic health and this idea that like you can take it too far, the idea that there's a perfect way to eat and that that is a new kind of eating disorder. That kind of blew my mind. Um, and I, I, I think I went through a phase of that definitely before, but it's like, wait a second, we're human. We're not machines. We have moods as women, especially. And they're also now discovering for sure. Men have hormonal swings too, but women definitely have monthly cycles. We ebb and we flow with energy and we're living in this world where we're supposed to like go, go, go in this masculine way. And we hurt ourselves. And then we feel less than because we're not going and competing. But, you know, there's a lot of health issues and things that come to women because they're not honoring their natural cycles. Because we don't have, we have some testosterone, but actually men are meant to be driven and women are meant to ebb and flow. And I think part of accepting ourselves is accepting like, oh, this is me. This is who I am, a human being, a woman, um, and being able to meet ourselves where we are with some grace and kindness. Yes, yes, that's that's beautiful. Just like you said, like we're supposed to do that. We're just supposed to just go with things and <laughs> really feel like society has really screwed that up for us in so many ways. Well, let me, I'm curious what comes to your mind when you say that, because I agree, but I'm just interested to hear like what, when you say society screw that up for us in so many ways, what do you, what are you thinking about? Oh my God. I could talk forever about okay. this. Okay. <laughs> um, let me think of the most, the most basic, okay. The most basic thing for me is, um, women's bodies. We're all different. We're not meant to look like we're supposed to jump out of a magazine, right? And yet there's all these diets promoting what we're supposed to look like. You know, we're missing this, so we need this. Um, all different types of diets. We're meant to think that we're supposed to be on a diet 24-7. If something's not working, it must be something wrong with us. So we try something else. That doesn't work. We try something else. We just go bouncing from one diet to the next to the next. And if you're not on a diet and you're out with like a group of friends and they just see you eating whatever, you might be judged on that. So you're going to feel like something's wrong with you because you're not on a diet. And it just drives me absolutely insane that women can't think that they can just eat whatever they want without feeling guilty. So for me, that's the biggest thing. Society, and it comes from comes from social media, it comes from magazines, it comes from TV and the news, and just plain being alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, but you're absolutely right. And it's interesting to hear um, your take on it, because I think everybody's got like a slightly different social context. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I haven't had my friends ever berate me or make me feel weird because I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't on a diet, but I do remember I had this, I had, this is such a crazy story. I was studying acting. I was an actress in New York city for many years. And when I, my second year of acting school, we had the summer off, I got pneumonia and I was like desperately ill in bed for like a month. I couldn't even eat. I, which is a big shocker, especially what I've shared with you. Like <laughs> I couldn't eat. I was in bed for about a month, missed work. I was a waitress at some big restaurant in New York city, um, where I worked with a bunch of like Dominican guys and Mexican guys. And the first day I got back to the city, I had acting class. And then that evening I was going to go to work and, um, I walked into acting class and I had lost 25 pounds. I mean, I was super skinny at this point. And I walked into acting class and there were these two women who had been my friend, like they were my friends. And they looked at me with jealousy. They didn't say anything, but there was this moment where they just looked at me and I was like, oh, wow, I'm really thin because look at the way they're looking at me. And then that night I went to work at the restaurant and these people hadn't seen me in over a month. I walk in and I remember this Dominican guy. He's like, oh my God. And he grabbed me and he walked me into the kitchen. He said, feed this woman. Like there was such a cultural difference between like the skinny girls who are actresses and like these Dominican guys who are like, Hey, you know, well, let's put some meat on this woman. Like it was a completely different cultural context. And it highlighted for me exactly how random this stuff is that thin is good or this is bad or, and that we believe the culture that we're raised in, that it's the truth. And it's not the truth. It's like, some random set of standards that women are supposed to be thin. Seriously, to these Dominican guys, I was not as hot as I had been before when I weighed 20 something pounds more. Um, and neither is good or bad, but they're like these social rules that we just totally buy into. Yeah. And it's, I find it that when a group of women are together, they have a hard time not talking about, you know, food in some way. Of course, not the entire conversation, but even like I give you, I'll give you a perfect example. All right, I work at a Trader Joe's, and all I hear the women in the store talking about is, you know, what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And I, for the longest time, before I figured out what I was going through, I was the one who they would come to for advice because that's what I was all about, right? I was a health coach, right. and I helped everyone in the store. And when I started realizing what I was going through, I was just tired of it. I got to the point where even the word healthy got to me because it's like, all right, well, what do you consider healthy and why is that? Everyone's got a different view on that, right? Right. And to that point, like the word healthy and everything that I believed prior was completely wrong to me now. So it's like I, I had to get everyone in the store to, you know, just leave me out of this for a little while because I, I couldn't put up with it. And even the people that I worked with, they saw me in a different way. Oh, Lauren won't eat this. Oh, don't show her that you're eating that. So that came to me as like, oh, my God, people, um, they believe that. I'm like judging them for eating what they're eating. And at one point, I totally was. And I'm like, I need to not be this person anymore. And it took a really long time. And I still have people, you know, saying to me certain things. And to hold my, I want to say, it's not anger, it's just like frustration. 
at the point because I'm like, all right, I don't want to be seen as that person anymore. And there's, I have to slowly get people out of that mindset. And when they hear me say something completely different that I, they believed that I believed in and I don't anymore, they're like looking at me confused, you know? And it's, that's the kind of thing that I hear in a setting where there's food involved and lots of women just believe into things that they hear or things that they read. And that's where I believe that the society, like magazines, social media, of course, is a huge one because you see all these articles on what's good and what's bad and what you should have and what you shouldn't have. And this is a trend. It's, it's all about trends. It really is. There's lots of trends and they're hard to break. So I think that one of the things that's really wild about what I'm going to call like social indoctrination. It's a really big word, but it's like, you know, how we're programmed to believe things. Like what I was saying that, you know, my actress friends were programmed to believe that the skinnier, the better. And then these Dominican guys were socialized to believe that, you know, a woman should have some meat on her. It's like that idea of like real women have curves or whatever. There was some show or something about that. And I think she was a Latina woman. When we make these kind of declarations, um, what that's usually really good evidence that there's some random social belief happening inside you that you are not even aware of. Like we believe so many things to be true, like factually true when they're just these social ideas or these random rules that we've developed for whatever reason. I mean, that's probably a whole other conversation, but they're traps like they, if they're working great, if they're not working for you. And I know it's not working for a lot of women because I, the first, um, iteration of my business was helping women find, find freedom from emotional eating. I talked to hundreds of women about exactly this topic, like this stress around weight and food and doing it right. And all of the social pressures and the internal pressure and the fear about like, having a guy in your life and you're just there trying to suck in your stomach and look appealing and all of that stuff. So I've talked to a lot of women who struggle with this, but what I think the real challenge is, is even seeing that we're struggling with something that's like pretend that's not real, that it's like another, like you were talking about, um, food trends and what's healthy. Like basically what's healthy is what's always been healthy food that comes from the earth. That's like naturally grown by nature, right? Everything else is a trend, right? Anything we've invented or that we're only doing egg whites and not egg yolks. It's like, that's not a whole food. You have to eat the whole egg or it's not like, and some people eggs don't agree with them, but the concept is sort of like what's good food has not changed. Um, And so there's a big, you know, I mean, I guess you could talk about the commercial industry of food. They need to program us because um, they want to sell stuff to us. So there's always some kind of a reason behind why we get indoctrinated with these beliefs. And so when you're in a group of your friends, say, or like in a work culture, like Trader Joe's, or I was a, I was the office manager for this holistic health spot in Manhattan where we did a lot of colonics. I don't know if you or your listeners are familiar with that, but it's like a high enema. Okay. So it's for health reasons or all sorts of reasons that people come in also for weight loss, but people would be doing like juice fasting and cleansing before coming in. And people got like obsessive, 
And I would field calls from women where they were talking about, all I can think about is cake. Like I can't think about anything else. And I would say, well, why don't you eat a salad with some avocado? No, I have to do this seven-day juice fast. All my friends are doing it. The whole office is doing it. Nobody else is having a problem. And the implication there is like, what's wrong with me? Their bodies were talking to them and telling them, we need you to eat some food. And they were panicking and angry and edgy, but they didn't want to give up because they felt like they would be failing. That's a problem, right? So it's like, how do we step back from whether it's our family culture or the social media stuff that we see? Like, how do we take a stand for what we actually believe in? Like what we really, what we'd like to create out in the world. Um, This friend of mine, she actually does some great solo shows about just the whole, the complexities of being a modern woman and being into personal growth. And she's very funny and she's able to make fun of herself and in her last show, she talked about, she's sort of joking about women always wanting to lose weight. And she's like, I just would really like to lose the last five to seven pounds, you know? And it got a big laugh out of the audience because all the women really related. And she was dating this new guy and he came to see her backstage to, you know, congratulate her on the show. And he just looked at her and he said, don't lose five to seven pounds. And it was like, so freeing for her and so startling for all of the women. You know, it's like, wait, no, we've always, we've all got, I noticed it in myself. And so I, that I have this like, well, five to seven pounds, that might be ideal. You know, I want to say this. Okay. I know I've been talking for like a big, long breath about it. I obviously have a lot of feelings about it, but this is, you know, I mentioned the food industry, they're trying to sell us stuff or the diet industry also trying to sell us stuff. So they have like a stake invested in us believing that there's something wrong with us and we need to lose weight. Um, I also have wondered socially, like as women, what else would we be thinking about if we weren't obsessing over our weight and fitting in with our friends and making sure that everybody liked us? Like what amazing new things would be we be creating or doing like would we be writing books would we be creating dances creating new education methods for children like I don't I don't know I'm just randomly coming up with stuff but instead we've got this fixation on like how to make ourselves prettier or thinner and it just seems like not the best use of our of our lives right no I feel like a lot of women spend the majority of their lives trying to lose that five to seven pounds. You're completely right. I love that. Yeah. It's like, what else would we be doing? Because women are so, I mean, think about it. We're so fixated on this, right? You're right. How fixated would we on something so much more productive and something that we actually really, really love to do? Maybe we'd be taking more, better care of ourselves. Maybe there'd be more women out there creating the life that they love. Oh, and, I love the sound of that. Yeah, right? And I think that's where a lot of female entrepreneurs have come to if they're in this type of work. You know, they're they're creating the life that they love and they're taking care of themselves every day and they're helping people get to where they want to get to. And I see a lot more happiness with women who are in this type of career path, you know, their own thing. Think about it if every woman did that. Yeah, did her own thing, whatever that is, whether it's socially unacceptable or not, you know? Yeah. You know what? I love what you said about the woman on stage and the guy that she was dating because, you know, 
through my my journey, I was I was kind of obsessed with the cleansing and the detoxing, and that's where I met with like the orthorexia because I didn't really follow follow any like trendy diets. That wasn't me. I was more about the cleansing and the detoxing. And when I started dating this guy, um, he was a very simple guy, and I just I just loved how he saw life. He was very simple, and I always felt so accepted by him, and I still do. And, you know, even when I felt like kind of disgusting, I would share that with him. And he's just like, you know, you're beautiful. You, you don't need to do anything. And having someone in your life like that, and it doesn't even need to be a boyfriend or a husband or a partner. I mean, it certainly does help with someone who, you know, you might be intimate with. But having that support alone is enormous because that helped me through my orthorexia. Make him being there telling me that, you know, you're just perfect the way you are. You're perfect the way you are. So every time I feel gross, I think of him and I just smile and I'm like, yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. I'm just good the way I am. And, and if a lot of women actually asked who they were with, you know, I'm sure they would, they would tell them you're beautiful the way you are, but maybe we're afraid to ask that question. What do you think? Well, you know, it's, first of all, that's just a beautiful story. I love that. And I'll tell you what I really appreciate about it. Not only that he said it, but that you were able to really take it in. And it sounds like it was a little bit of a practice. Like you had to recalibrate yourself from like, oh my God, I'm disgusting, which, and you're not the first, I felt that way about myself. And I've had women use that is terrible language to use against ourselves. Right. Yes. But yes. Right. (laughs) Okay. But there you are like, oh my God, I'm disgusting. You're totally full of self-loathing. And then this guy is like, you're beautiful just the way you are. And then you were able to open and receive that and start like incorporate, like embodying that and believing it on a cellular level. So that's, I think one thing, first of all, it's beautiful. I've had my own experiences where men have said something like that to me and it's been hugely healing because when I was growing up, my father was really not kind about my looks and I internalized all of that. And I wound up hiding a lot, you know, and not dressing a certain way because I felt like, well, who am I to dress like I'm pretty when I'm not pretty, right? Because I believed what my dad had told me when I was growing up. And so there were definitely, I can think of a couple of men right now, like who had such an impact on me, like you're describing. But then we each have to take kind of take that and run with it. We can't leave it. We can't always outsource our sense of self-worth or self-esteem. We have to, um, internalize it and make it ours. And it sounds like that's what was successful for you. You really did that. Um, and I think, cause you know, I'm single right now and I look, listen, I am a diehard romantic. I love romance and I have memories where men have said things like that to me. And it just, you know, you feel so pretty in that moment, you know, it just is like this shimmery, lovely experience, but we also can't go around waiting for the right person or the right man to say the right thing at the right time all the time. At a certain point, right? At a certain point. So I like to suggest, and this is kind of radical, and again, it goes completely against the social grain of what we're, where we're supposed to be getting our 
acceptance from, like we're supposed to be getting it externally. It's like, you're not successful or you're not beautiful unless you have a man telling you that you are, or you have, um, you, you're on a magazine cover or whatever, you know, like you get this many likes on your, the selfie that you posted on social media. We're always looking for this outside, um, sustenance and nourishment, but it's like what you talked about when we first got on this call, this idea of self-acceptance. It's like, how do we gift that to ourselves? That's kind of the radical act. Whether or not we have any social acceptance or a guy there telling us this or any likes on the you know Instagram selfie that we posted or what our weight is or any like, how can we just kind of get to that place where we feel, because it's a feeling, right? Like I got a feeling when you talked about what he said to you and how you responded to it, I started to feel relaxed and accepting, open. And so there's like this experience that we can gift ourselves with or without anybody else. And that is a hugely radical act. And that takes you out of that social acceptance game to just be like, I'm good the way I am. Maybe there's some things that I want to change. I'll work on it or I won't, but I just want to feel like I'm accepting myself. I want to feel acceptable. And what if you could just gift that to yourself right now without anybody else? It's amazing. And it's def- it's definitely work. And I can tell you what sort of got me out of, I can't say got me out of, I was on the path to figuring what the hell was going on in my life. I was newly divorced and single for the first time in my life. And I was 29 years old. So imagine that, right? Single for the first time, 29. Started dating at like 17. And for the first time in my life, I was alone. It was scary. It sort of felt like there was this hole in my heart. I didn't know what to do with myself. But then slowly, you know, living a life of a full-time working mom and starting to actually have time to myself, I decided to stay single. I was single for four years. Wow. Four years. And in those four years, that's when I started to learn that I was actually, you know, a living human being with feelings and thoughts and things that I wanted and things that I didn't want. And I really feel like a lot of young girls and women and even women who are older now, they don't give themselves that time alone And it's very easy to latch on to someone who might have a thing for you. And maybe you don't even have a thing for them, but you want to feel wanted. Yeah. And so you just jump into something. And it's so hard to not do that. But I tell you, try it. And it feels great. (laughs) (laughs) And then you do it again and again. And, you know, maybe you tell yourself, I'm going to try to be alone, be by myself for a year. Or even try three months. Try a certain amount of time that you've never done this before and how liberating it is because you have all this time to yourself. And if you have kids, you have time to spend with them. And maybe you have time to spend with friends that you haven't talked to in a long time. You can rekindle those relationships and with your parents and when, you know, with, with whoever, but you're not tied down to one particular person. Yeah, because you know what I love about that? First of all, like you said, it's totally freeing. It's like liberating. What if I could just be okay with being single or being alone? But also when you can get comfortable with yourself in those like moments where you have that hole in your heart, because we do anything we can to cover up those kinds of feelings, whether it's with food or with just like being with somebody you might not even be that into. I consider that a drug too. 
Oh, yes. You know? So, like, any time, and it's scary, and it can be really unsettling, and we don't want to be alone with ourselves. But, you know, I had this client once. She was in her 50s. She'd been put on a diet at age 8. So, and this is, like, before social media, right? She just yes. came from this Italian family, and her mother decided her 8-year-old daughter was fat. So, she was eating, like, you know, iceberg lettuce while everybody else had pasta and, you know, meatballs. And she would get sent to her room while they ate dessert. Oh, my God. Right? Talk about emotional trauma. So she became this binge eater, and she had been binging for like 40 years at this point when she became my client. Wow. And the work that we were doing was just attempting to give her a little bit of time alone with her feelings. And it was, because I know, because I've been there, it's really hard. I'm like, just give yourself 30 seconds before you reach for the food. Just be there with yourself 30 seconds. She called me one night. She said she had, she was like, I'm going to the store and I'm just going to buy a bunch of food and eat it. She got into the car and she said she was having so much anxiety, but she remembered like, wait a second, just sit with it for a minute. She said she sat in the car freaking out for like 15 minutes and then went inside without eating anything and just went about the rest of her day. Sometimes we just need to, like you said, be company with ourselves. And then, you know what, you'll be able to have a better relationship with your kids, your friends, and whoever you decide to be with romantically in the future, because you've kind of come home inside yourself. And that really is the ultimate personal liberation to be able to feel okay in yourself, in your body and in your life, no matter what's going on around you, you know, cause then we don't have to control all the time. Like that's what orthorexia also is about, right? Like trying to control. Yes. Um, but it, we can't, we can't control. So like, we better get comfortable with, like you said a minute ago, being in the flow and like letting things just flow. So um, that might, it sounds scary, but that's why what you're saying is also great. Like get support, find, find men, find friends, coaches, therapists, whatever, who support you and aren't like trying to bring you down, um, and keep you where you are. If you have, if you can see something bigger for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely believe that it's, and you know what? You're right. It, it, a lot of things I feel like in women's lives are con- about control, and I love that story about the woman sitting in the car because it's you have to allow yourself to feel. And if it's the anxiety, you let yourself feel it. If you feel like you need to scream, scream. If you need to cry, cry. Don't hold it in. You want to release those feelings. And if you've ever had a really good cry, and I'm sure you have, just think about how wonderful you feel after because it's like you've let it happen. You're not holding it in. You're just releasing it, putting it out into the world. It's sort of like if you want to write something down, if you're a journal, like just like you said you are, sometimes people feel better just by writing their thoughts onto paper. And it's a pretty simple um, method of helping you just relax and being with yourself and being with your feelings. And I really do feel like so many things, and if not so many, all things in life are about feeling something. So, yeah, I love that story. And um, I really feel like it explains a whole lot in life and not well, just and, about that yeah. one particular situation. Exactly. So much. And it was a huge victory for this woman. You've got to look at 40 years of not being able to stop herself unless she was trying to control herself. But actually she did a deeper healing. Like you're describing with crying. I'm a big proponent. I love that you mentioned screaming. Love it. because (laughs) I spent about three years crying, screaming, crying, screaming. I had a lot go down in my life a few years ago. And, um, 
A lot of women are like, well, I'm not really angry, but you can tell they're like so pissed off deep down inside, but they haven't even acknowledged it. If you can start screaming into a pillow, like not to scare people, you can like drive, <sighs> drive my car up to a hill and just like scream and cry. And then 45 minutes later, be like, ah, and then be able to go home and be civil again. Um, but you know, you can scream into a pillow or something like that. It's so cathartic and it's actually healing. It's not like it's some random indulgence. They've actually scientifically discovered why it's helpful to cry or to scream. It actually releases chemicals in your body that you're holding on when you don't. So I love that you mentioned that. I think actually, if you can, you know, get yourself to the place where you're free enough to scream, you are going to love it and you will not want to stop. It's going to be like a go-to, um, it's a go-to. I, I haven't had to do it recently, which is a beautiful thing, but it was a fantastic help to me for a long time. And I love that you keep mentioning the journal writing. Actually, one of the, um, one of the free gifts that I give when people sign up for my mailing list is, um, a list of what I call personally, personal inquiry questions. Like how do you kind of get to know yourself better and write about it in your journal? Because we need to get to know ourselves and we need to express ourselves and get it out of our system so that we can, like you said, live our real dreams, live our best life. Like, what do I really want? Who am I? How can I heal some of the old stuff that I'm feeling that where I feel hurt or stuck writing in your journal? It's free. It's always available to you. It's really simple and it's super powerful. Yeah. And all, and remember all this is just by yourself without anyone else's opinions. Oh, what a great place to be, right? Yeah, it is. So why don't you tell us where we can find that? Because we are getting to the end and I want to get all of your info because we had such a great talk today. I want to make sure people can find you right after this. And I know you have a lot of videos on YouTube as well. So share that because videos are huge now and I love them. Absolutely. Well, I'm pretty easy to find if you can spell my name. So it's Maya Matzek. It's M-A-I-A-M-A-C-E-K.com. And that's, I just use that as my, you know, it's my Twitter handle, Maya Matzek, Instagram also. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, again, Maya Matzek, and I'm on Periscope. So um, that's where you can come, you know, see me live. I talk about all this kind of thing live, um, and I'll take questions. I do free teleclasses. There's so many ways. If you have questions, I would love to have people connect with me. But if you're like, wait, I just want to, you know, dip my toe in and check it out, I, um, would love to have listeners come to my website again, mayamatsek.com and sign up for my free gift, which like I mentioned, I have some extras in there, including this uh, journal writing exercise, sort of a guided exercise that can be helpful. But I have this quiz that you can sign up for, which is like, how free and fulfilled do you really feel? And you can rank yourself because sometimes we're like, I guess I'm okay, but we don't really know on the spectrum of how good it's possible to feel like where you land. And once you have clarity about where you are, then you can really start to, um, you're like halfway there. You can make the changes that you need to make. So I'd love to invite people to come sign up for that or just come see me on social media. Awesome. Thank you so much for all that information. I love talking about this. It's like one of my favorite, favorite topics because it's like so near and dear to my heart and it just, I could ramble on and on. I can talk to you forever about this. <laughs> Me too. This has been a great conversation, you know, and I love, we talked a lot about food and sort of self-acceptance, but that can be applied to any area of life, you know? So I just want to say that to women who are listening, like take what we've said, even if you don't have a thing around food 
and see if maybe you can apply some of the things we've talked about to an area where you do feel stuck. Yes, absolutely. It can be brought anywhere and you can use them every day. Thank you so much for listening today. Please, if you liked the episode, please share with your friends and colleagues. Also, don't forget to come on over and join us in the Pod Junkie Pad over on Facebook to continue the conversations and really get to know each other. Bye.